Tonight on the Big Footy Podcast, we bring you all the latest in trade and free agency news, we review the grand final, and Messenger pines for his lost love. All this and more, coming right up. Welcome to the Big Footy Podcast for the Grand Final Review Show and apparently a whole heap of other stuff's been going on. So uh, I've got a well-endowed panel on this evening. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Indeed we are. <laughs> uh, and I've got the old Dark Navy's back. As he has Who told been, you? <laughs> as he has been for anyway. every episode this season, as well as Messenger. Well endowed indeed, boys. Well endowed. See, no arguments for once. That's what I like. Um, the prosecutor joins us again. Yeah, pleasure to be on where I'm not the focus for once. It's a and, beautiful time. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk about the goings on. At, no, there haven't been any goings on. At SM, <laughs> exactly, it's, it's been quiet. Um, SM's here to talk about all things cola-related, amongst other things. I can't imagine there's too much to talk about. Not much has happened recently. <laughs> Seppo's here to uh, cry a bit, I suppose. Oh, I can uh, rejoice in the uh, announcement of Sylvia coming across. A nice uh, freebie pickup, but um, yeah, a bit upset about the result on Saturday, but uh, we'll go over it later. And Fifey joins us from the Flogcast. I thought G'day. it was about time we had one of those guys on. And so, guys, uh, what were your highlights from the weekend? And we'll start with uh, ODN and uh, go work our way through. Um, I, th- I think um, Gunston... Uh, in the grand final, he just uh, he, he stepped up, big game player, and um, I think it might have been a goal he snapped uh, from the square. He played on and sna- uh, snapped one around the goalpost uh, late in the third, I think it might have been. Um, that impressed me. And also just seeing Brian Lake uh, get into a grand final for a start, but actually actually win one. The guy's uh, been, been battling and, and doing well for the Bulldogs for years, and he comes across to the Hawks, and uh, he's finally got some career success, so I was really happy for him. All right, Messenger. Uh, everything from about the 10 minutes to go in the final quarter all the way through about till I got home on, on uh, late on Saturday night. <laughs> Prosecutor, what about you, Mark? Uh, I'd have to say when that final siren went and put an end to this uh, 
just a downright depressing and terrible year for football. Well, for Essendon anyway. Oh, yeah. oh and for the competition on a whole. Yeah. And for the competition on a whole, I think it's just it's 2013 it's been a stumbling block in what has been building up to be a really nice and even competition where everyone feels they have a chance. So here's to bigger and better things in 2014 for everyone. And uh, SM, what about you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a decent grand final. I think um, Hawthorne really took it up to the Frio, which was really surprising, I think. Frio missing their shots. I think my highlights probably, yeah, Gunston has already been touched on, and I guess Brian Lake as well. He had a great game. So it was good to see the Hawks get up. And uh, Seppo? Um, my highlight, uh, most memorable moment for that one, was actually not at the game itself, but the... Um, the march of Freo supporters from Fed Square to the G, um, I was just amazed at how many Freo supporters came across and actually lined the uh, streets of Melbourne. It was just um, de- definitely something that I'll um, take away from the weekend's event. And our very own uh, Marky Mark, our new kid on the block, Fifey. Um, oh, highlight purely from a sadistic standpoint was Hayden Valentine's game, <laughs> which <laughs> taking home the Leon Davis medal for worst on ground if... Anyone has a crack at him next year, they have a perfect... If he has a crack at anyone next year, they have a perfect response for him. So I thought that was amusing. But also, just a serious thing, the amount of... When wide shots of the crowd, the amount of purple, gold and brown in it, it seemed to be that there are a lot more fans at the game this year than in past years. It seemed pretty chockers with genuine supporters. So I was quite happy with that. All right. Well, we're going to go straight into the news. Like I said, we've got a lot to cover, so we're going to move quite rapidly through this. But uh, first off the bat, uh, Big Footy would like to congratulate uh, Renee Tong, who has, uh, you might recall, been on our podcast with Prosecutor and myself a couple of weeks ago. And uh, she was confirmed today as the winner of the Genuine Health Inner Champion competition. Yay! Um, Yay. So uh, what is perhaps the one thread that has united everybody across the forum uh, has come through. we can move from here. From rigging polls to rigging African elections. What do you reckon? So, uh, next <laughs> I think up, that's a step down, isn't it? Next up, peace in the Middle East. Um, she did manage to get over some tough and often imaginary competition uh, <laughs> from the uh, widespread international barrel riding community. And now wicket is a part of our terminology used on uh, Big Footy now. That's, that's moves into the lexicon. Uh, there's one for you to look up later, Messenger. Um, what was it, sorry? Lexicon. Lexicon. Okay, right. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a Ford Lexicon. <laughs> it's a car. Right, I thought it was one of the, <laughs> one of the girls that Wookiee visits next door to the hotel. Uh, no, no, that's not quite the same. Self-rated three and a half stars. <laughs> uh, Richmond have appointed their first, uh, well, the first ever AFL club uh, president that is female in uh, Peggy O'Neill. Uh, so, good for them. Hooray. It will give them yeah. something of an no, excuse for when good. they play like girls next year. <laughs> Had to be said. Yeah, no. Your president doesn't have to be a footballer, so, you know, eight, she's a lawyer, eight years on the board, you know, good on her. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Got rid of Nahas, so that's um, <laughs> well, on the way out. So, get, get one girl you know. in, one girl out. Yep. Uh, Mark Harvey has quit Brisbane, believed to be interviewing for the Essendon position uh, vacated temporarily by James Hurt. And uh, Adrian Fletcher has also been let go from Brisbane, while Peter Schwab uh, has become the Lions' head of coaching and development, and Mitch Hahn will become a de- ve- uh, development coach. Um, yeah. 
yeah. and over just don't, a... don't let Swabby make any predictions as to finals or <laughs> we're uh, a good club we really are a good club <laughs> <laughs> Messenger remembers him fondly uh, Adam Simpson has well just recently uh, become more or less confirmed as the head of the, well as the coach of the West Coast Eagles being uh, all over Twitter and various news outlets and uh, yeah literally just as we went to uh, start recording so that's a, that's that's a good gig, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, I thought he was certainly a coach and waiting along with a couple of others. And he's, you know, you think about whether they're going to get a Bulldogs gig or a Melbourne gig or you know Brisbane on the down sort of thing. But uh, to get a West Coast gig, you know, I mean, they're a little bit down this year, but they'll bounce back pretty quickly with the resources open to them. That's a that's a prime gig. So well done. Uh, also, we've got our comments here from our esteemed Jamie Johnson. Uh, who says that Adam Simpson could maybe teach West Coast how to play without ducking. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Ouch. Good old Jamie Johnston. Um, now, into the, obviously, the big news, the free uh, the free agency and trade talk from uh, recent days. And where are my notes? Uh, obviously, Franklin went to Sydney, and we're going to discuss that more uh, in, the oh, next, did he? in the next segment. So, uh, I missed that. Like I said, that was obvious. Uh, Shane Mumford from the Swans has moved, well, will more or less move to join GWS one way or another after uh, he didn't renew his contract at Sydney and uh, apparently rejected some overtures from Hawthorne. Uh, apparently he likes the lifestyle in Sydney around Bondi. So, uh, it's those expensive coffees. Yeah. Loves them. Carlton's oh, Eddie oh. Betts looks set to join Adelaide after being offered $2 million over four years. Carlton have apparently told uh, news that the deal is for more money and for a longer contract than the Blues are willing to offer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sad, sad, to, sad to see him go, but he, um, you know, he, he's, he's doing the right thing by him and his family and uh, you can't knock the bloke. He's a, he was an Adelaide supporter growing up. He's given us eight years of uh, exciting football and... Best of luck to them. Mm. Eight years of torment over for Essendon supporters. <laughs> and Richmond too. Jeffy Gale will step up, guys. Don't worry. Collingwood's Dale Thomas is favoured to go to Carlton on a four-year contract worth 700000 a year after passing medical tests to the satisfaction of Blues officials. Uh, Melbourne's Colin Sylvia looks almost certain to join Fremantle as an unrestricted free agent, despite Paul Roos saying he's a required player at Melbourne. Geelong have delisted Premiership players in James Podley-Adley and Paul Chapman. Chapman's asked for his release to go and look elsewhere, while it seems to be unlikely that anyone else will take Podley-Adley at 32. Uh, Hawthorne's Brent Guerra has retired, and that's uh, pretty much the major names from the list. Um, There's a a few other rumours going around that Hawthorne are keen on Billy Longer, which is possibly linked to Max Bailey. saying he's going to probably retire due to his knee problems and not being able to get Mumford in the end. So perhaps chasing a, a decent ruckman. Uh, Fremont and Adelaide are still chasing uh, Hawthorne Xavier Ellis. And uh, Adelaide are apparently still clean, uh, keen on Jared Pollock from Brisbane. Um, other than that, I haven't got anything else in my notes unless you guys can think of something. Oh, Are there rumours of Heath Shaw as well to Carlton? Is that a additional one that looks like it's circling? I'll be where, did that, where did that happen? Yeah, I He's... haven't heard of him going to Carlton. I've heard of him leaving, but not to anywhere fixed at the moment. Yeah, he just well, seems to be his name. It's a bit Dustin Martin-esque in that he's he's looking everywhere, but no one has actually put their hand up. Similar mould, similar ilk. Was. 
in, just just when we think we're going to celebrate getting another midfielder into the Blues, um, people keep on raising Hawthorne as a possibility. That's is of, that on the cards, Miss? Of 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 who? Dale uh, Thomas? Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's nonsense. He's he's been he'll be he'll be at Carlton. Besides, I, I, I think Collingwood supporters are trolling us. That's all. No, it's uh, it came from a. It was a gross interpretation of a tweet, a single tweet, and all of a sudden it was it was, it was a lot spread like wildfire. But um, that's modern that's, journalism, isn't it? Well, pretty much. Yeah, I, I think the Mumford thing too. I think Hawthorne have been into Longer for a fair while now, and I believe Longer will ask Brisbane to be, to trade him to Hawthorne. Uh, I think the Mumford thing has. Past past its use by date quite a while ago. I think you'll be all right at, at GWS, though. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think you'll be you'll be quite good for them. You'll be certainly an up to, upgrade on Dean Brogan, anyway. Oh, anything's they, an upgrade. They on have Dean John Brogan. Giles too. Yeah, that's this true. Is true. Yeah. Well, Carlton are looking to get Sam Doherty from the Lions, and he's chosen us. But uh, we don't. I don't think we want to give up our first rounder and. Um, Maybe they're in the market for another Ruckman and Hanson and a second rounder might might help out, but we'll see. And I saw a rumour today, I think on Twitter, that uh, Collingwood are going to get pick 11 for for Thomas. Yes. And he hasn't played football for nearly two years. Mm. Jeez, they must, be, they must be getting like five picks for Franklin at Hawthorne. Going to be based on his age and, his, uh, and, and the offer made to him, I'd say, for the, the salary that's... A similar offer to Goddard is being um, bandied around, so I'd say that. And St Kilda got uh, end of first pick compensation for that. So, I'd, so I'd is that a category two or something? Or uh, category one. Category one. category one. So, so um, and I think will actually get worse compensation for Buddy because yep. we will get. No, there's actually there's actually been talk going around that the AFL might give Hawthorne two first round picks. I don't know how they're going to pull that out of their ass, but well, they're, that's they're been not going around. Rules. They're going to have to change the rules. Yeah. And it's not, but I mean, it's not uh, against the AFL's disposition to uh, change rules on the fly, is it? What, what did Geelong get? What did Geelong get for Ablett when he left? Two. Uh, they changed two. It. But no, they no. changed it. They changed it. It started with one, and then when it was Ablett, it became I mean, hell, Tim, uh, Tom Scully got two first round picks. We, we, we would get a pick after our, after our first round pick, which is pick. Well, now with the Thomas one, it'll be eighteen. So we'd get pick eighteen, and we had then we'd get pick nineteen as compensation. Yeah, sounds so, about right and fair, I reckon. Oh yeah, it's terrific. All right, well that, that'll take us neatly into our uh, next segment for the evening, which will be the uh, what Buddy Gate, as I'm referring to it. Uh, uh, really? Do yeah, have is it a gate? It, it the is Cold a gate. Wars. It's a gate, if you believe uh, reports today from. Uh, the media that say that the AFL will investigate the deal, not least because uh, after five years he gets a payout of $4 million if he leaves or if, in, even if he's delisted. And the AFL is evidently concerned that the Swans will not be able to afford a $4 million payout uh, after, in five years' time. Mm. Now, I, I think that's a legitimate concern. I don't think the deal will be allowed to stand if that's part of it. That's only if he is in. If if they choose to delist him, they have to pay the balance of his contract in the next year. Or it if all he, goes on the cap. Or if he leaves, if he no, leaves, I, if he retires, he leaves it all on the table. Mm. I'm, I'm still so, not sure that they'll leave it. Like I'm still not sure the AFL will be comfortable with a four million dollar payout looming in any event. I just don't see that being allowed. 
Well, so basically, yeah. if he retires after five years, um, from what I've seen, the contract is unconditional, as in the financial side of it. So that'd be a lump sum payment of four million that has to be under the cap in, say, about 2018 season. No, no. no my understanding is if he's injured and he's unable to play anymore, and he and he is delisted, then the money goes on the cap. If he retires, he just he's walking away from it. He leave, he leaves all that money on the table. I don't think that's going to happen. But didn't, didn't Michael Voss? Voss. Yeah, yeah that, and that's what they're citing. They're citing that Michael, Michael Voss deal where he got a well, million in his last year. Well, they uh, had to keep him on the list. That's what, because they couldn't pay it out. So they had to keep him on the list. Well, they're citing that as a reason why the AFL are going to have to have it, take another look at this uh, $4 million payout shenanigans. Well, but wasn't is... the thing with Voss that um, they allowed him to stay on for the one year or they allowed them to accept him to be on the list for one more year so they could pay it out? And that the similar thing would happen with the Hawthorne thing, and hence why it'd have to be a lump sum payment for the next season of four million. So I don't think they, I don't think you can retire and then they'll let you, you know, put that across four years or whatever. I think it's the one lump sum payment think, if you retire Messi, or not. Message is saying that it doesn't count retirement. If he retires, he doesn't get anything. Yeah, that's it. That makes you a mockery can, though of the system. That and that's that's where I think the AFL are going to have some problems. Now, Wookie, what was Sydney's profit loss? What were they profit and loss last last year? They made two hundred two thousand dollars in profit last year. Right. So but this it's is the what first time. It's the first time they've turned a profit in four years. This is what happens when there's no moral hazard. You can sign whatever contract you like to whoever you like, and know that the AFL is going to pick up the tab later. If a, a Victorian club did this, they'd go to the wall. You mean like they, Melbourne? Like or St Kilda or North Melbourne, they would go to the wall with something like this. But this is there's no they, they just know that there's, they're going to get bailed out if they need to be. Yeah. Sorry, SM, but that's that's to me that's the truth. It's yeah. a ridic- It is an idiotic contract. Right, um, I, I'm surprised that you think I'm going to disagree with you on that. I, <laughs> I as soon as I heard that it was a nine-year contract, I burst out laughing. I, I couldn't believe that that was true. I thought it was just Robbo or someone, um, you know putting two and two together and getting nine. Um, I completely agree with everything you're saying. I, what I can't fathom is that this club that I support, that is one of the most well-run clubs in the competition, can turn around and do something like this. It's just unfathomable. It's, it's more unfathomable for most people because this is a year after they signed Tippett to a massive contract as well. Yeah. And I think it just it sets all kinds of alarm. This is, this is Coles basically flipping his finger off at every other club in the league. Yeah. And... And every other club in the league sitting up and going, well, hang on a minute, that's not right. You can kiss your cola goodbye next year. I well, like how uh, GBOS has come out and um, given their mascot an, a nine-year deal. And <laughs> that was added, pretty, that was pretty funny. Against uh, the uh, nine offered to Buddy. What's the salary cap for next year? Nine point <laughs> six million, something like that. Aside from aside from the the cola, it's about nine point six next year. Yeah. Something like that. So, that, so, the, so that you take away Franklin and Tippett, you're looking at about seven point six million divided by thirty six players because I'll list thirty eight. That's two hundred and ten thousand on average for the rest of the list, right? I would, I would point out though, I, I have a feeling Tippett, Tippett might be on big money next year, but I have a feeling Buddy's actually on relatively low money for the next year or two, and then it's going to spike in the middle, then drop off again, and then spike in the last year. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but that's oh, what I'd heard. The rumour I heard was one, and one, two, and nine are small, and the rest yeah. are quite large. Yeah, I had a guy come in here just before, uh, a Carlton supporter from our board, uh, to tell me that uh, basically they were paying him in bus fare for the next three years, and then heavily uh, back-ending his deal, so... 
Look, yeah. look, so I think no one really knows. Just just working it on average, guys. If you're looking at about 1.1 million or something a year, all right. That for those 36 players, that equates to 30,000 per player. That, that that these players potentially are giving up to get Buddy into the club. Now, if they're, that... if they're if they're only averaging 200,000 a year, their cola would only be 20,000. They're actually giving up more of their primary income. Um, to, you know, they actually end up ten thousand better, or worse off after their coal is applied. If you work out work it out on that sort of an average, all right. So that and that, and that asks the question: If people are taking pay cuts to get quality players into their club, why do they need the coal to stay in Sydney? It'd be interesting to actually hear from other players, like if there's any disgruntled players that have had to take a pay cut, or if they're not actually seeing this some um, coal allowance go against their base salary. You know, if, if some smaller guy sort of on the outer is, um, you know, earning below that, you know, twenty. Well, I, d- I, I did month. hear that. I did hear actually. I don't know if it was on Twitter or, or someone posted it on the Swan Sport or something. There was a rumor that there were a couple of players who've already expressed a bit of annoyance at the fact that they'd taken a pay cut to fit everyone in under the cap to get Tippett, which was fair enough. Um, and now the club's turned around and said, great, thanks for that. We'll, we'll go get Buddy. Yeah, apparently um, uh, another Hawthorne son was one of the players who was particularly um, upset about the Franklin move. Which one was that? Uh, well, Kennedy, uh, JPK, yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, well, um, he's... Because uh... apparently um, he signed a global... Uh, contract after the 2012 grand final and of course if they've had this in mind the whole time and have asked him to take a pay cut plus there was I uh, know there was tweets going around that um, Kennedy and Franklin didn't get on at the best times at the Hawthorne Football Club anyway so I mean it's yeah. it is the um, that is the landscape that we are in now though where uh, with free agency that you know, uh, are you know players from who were originally drafted by the club or who have been established at the club now are going to get you know marginalised with their contracts and they're going to feel let down by the club and I think that's going to erode the loyalty concept that we have so strongly in the AFL. So that's just going to become a bigger feature of this sort of disgruntled player group. It was always well, going to happen. I think it was uh, interesting. Well, not interesting. It was obvious that. Uh, the usual talking heads were out and about uh, complaining about it within hours. Uh, Maguire, Brayshaw, Jeff Kennett. <laughs> I was complaining. But what surprised me was uh, Kernahan was absolutely vehemently against it at the Blues' uh, best and fairest yeah. night. And he they doesn't went, normally have a lot to say well. about shit like that. So. A couple, well, a couple of things about there. that. A couple of things about that. A, yes, uh, I know where this is going. Sticks, yeah, exactly. Well, first of all, yeah, of course, Sticks. I mean, Carlton read the book on this sort of crap. But... Secondly, and this is kind of going away from the collar sort of thing. Just why would uh, why would Kernahan bring that up at the best and fairest? I mean, it's a night to celebrate Carlton and what Carlton stands for. Well, I guess this, this that's is why this is a... up. But I mean, why why dilute the significance of the best and fairest by bringing up something that's obviously going to steal headlines from it? But that's well, just a, that's, that's just an observation. That's just what he does at the best and fairest. He does. He, he, att- he, attack, he attacks journos. He attacks other clubs. Uh, who can forget the we, we are Carlton flower the rest uh, <laughs> from uh, from a few years ago? That's just that's just the way he rolls. Yeah, um, I thought this was interesting in that uh, Liam Pickering was on radio today saying that this had been the deal had been uh, in the process for a year and that this was all started after the 2012 Grand Final and that. Uh, 
Uh, the deal was basically done by September the 13th, but they didn't want to announce it. And then Franklin was saying that it was a last-minute thing that he didn't decide until after the grand final. So did anyone um, hear, what's his name, Pickering's fruity and slip from about, what was it? Um, yeah, I was about to bring before, that up. Yeah. Uh, from August, was, I think. Yeah, it was from August in interviews, like the only contract I've been dealing with Sydney before he didn't, and then he corrects himself. But of course, yeah. it was picked up on the time, but it was just, you know, because nobody saw the Sydney um, deal coming. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's all yeah. it is. But and, in hindsight. Yeah. And look, Pickering has been seen at Waverley a lot. So there was, and, and a lot of what I was hearing was that, you know, he's urging Buddy to stay and Buddy's going to do this and he really wants Buddy to remain at Hawthorne. And he, so really, he's been. He's representing Franklin, and he's done a fine job, clearly, but, but ultimately he's lying to a club with which he has to deal with in future. He actually represents the coach of that club. So there's... I don't know how many favours he's done himself in all of this. I'm sure he's going to get 3% of $10 million over the next nine years, but, you know, these guys are going to be fair dealers. You've got to be able to sit across the table and look them in the eye and know that they're actually, you know going to tell a little bit of truth, but it sounds to me like he's been quite duplicitous, but um, look, it's uh, he, he's a, he is still a very fine footballer, and, and Sydney, for all of this and all the money, they have got themselves a very, very fine footballer, and the question is, for how much of that contract is he going to be worth the coin? And he could be, it could be five or six of those nine years He's um he's a very productive footballer. All right, so SM, how is this going to uh, affect Sydney's team play, like their, their style of play? Like we've been hearing complaints all year about them being tippet focused. How, yeah. how is this going to change the way Sydney play? To be honest, I I don't see it actually improving at all that much because I think from what I understand from Adelaide fans, tippet doesn't actually do too well when there's another key forward in the fifty. So even if Buddy goes roaming up the field, um, I just think that the forward lines is going to be a bit too crowded, especially um, at the SCG, to have guys like Buddy, Tippett, Goods and Reed all sort of roaming around either inside that 50 or just around the ground because Reed's, Reed's another one who'll play up the field in that almost winger sort of role. Um, so I think I thought our game plan was built perfectly around that rebounding from defensive 50 using our hard-running midfielders. Um, running all the way into the 50, and I just think Buddy sort of, it's gonna it's gonna change the game plan a lot. Um, it depends on how well we can adapt to it. But as we saw when Tippett came in this year, we didn't seem to all that prepared for having that key forward up forward. As you say, we got a bit too Tippett focused, and it really impacted us on the scoreboard. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they cope. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. The way I can see it structuring up is. Um... Tibbet playing really deep, Buddy playing at the SCG half forward, so it's pretty much inside the centre work circle. Um, yeah. You might even sit, switch Reed to the back if to you're de- not going to play. You guys, he's um, probably going to play in defence. Yeah, uh, and Goods is, is he expected to go around? Because obviously he's another one you're talking about that are competing with those other guys around Buddy's area. But will, will he expected to do much next season? And that's it, I guess. He'll, he'll almost be an impact player either as you know a specialist sub or. or burst through the midfield or something, but at his age, I don't really think he can be expected to do too much. So um, it almost pushes goods out of the team, like you're saying. Just on that, does it is it 
goods that gets pushed out or considering what you've said about Reed, is he expected to stay? Because he's on quite good money and you'd free up a bit of cap space if you moved him onto a team. For... I, I mean, I, I guess my, my biggest um, hope for the off-season before all of, of this buddy talk was actually that we'd go out and recruit a really good young defender. Um, so with Buddy coming in, I'm just hoping that we do keep hold of Reed and he actually becomes that young defender because he was recruited as a defender. Um, so I would, I'd, I'd hope that we could actually swing him into defence and, and kind of groom him long term for a centre half back role sort of thing, um, and and play him there because that would kind of kill two birds with one stone with freeing up an extra forward spot for for Franklin, um, and also hopefully building our defence for the future. I think it might push out somebody like LRT who's probably yeah. coming towards the end, and and then you know it's LRT and Grundy competing for a spot instead of. Um, you know, Reed and LRT. So, and you think Grundy's probably a couple of years younger than LRT. So, that might be the way it goes. But um, oh, look, the other thing too, from the thing that will help tip it with Buddy in there is, is you've got to put a defender on Buddy. You've got to find a guy who's big enough to go with him in inside fifty and fit enough to run with him outside the fifty. So, you know, everything shuffles along, and Tippett probably ends up with the with the second best defender. He ends up yeah. being a bigger, slower one, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right. Um, Fifey, Seppo, you've been pretty quiet. Yeah. Nothing? I've had um, my say on uh, positional changes for there. It seems to work. I reckon they can slot him in without making too many uh, changes or needed to search for him any other positions with him in there. I can see it working. It's more yeah. the affordability thing, like where the money is going to come from. Like Mumford, White, Morton, and who's the other one that's gone? Bolton. Um, Bolton. Take up, they don't take and up Matt too Knott. much. Matner is okay, but Mumford was on close to four, was it a year? 400? Yeah, roughly, um, roughly four or five hundred, I think. Yeah, and Bolton came under veterans, so he'd be yeah. less a cap hit. But Morton wouldn't be, wouldn't have been on much. I'm not sure about White, but it still doesn't seem to account for there'll be, I imagine there'll be a squeeze somewhere even this year. Look, and, and they're not they're not exactly success starved either, are they? You know, and it's just you know they, they won the premiership last year, and it seems a little bit of a. I just worry about you know whether it's a slap in the face to the likes of Jack and Kennedy and McVeigh and Melcheski and Hanbury, O'Keefe, those guys that have actually had you know gained them some success. Now they're basically being told we need somebody else to further the success, despite the fact that those guys have just done it for the team without having a buddy there, and there's not going to be any more money in the pot for them. And without you a tipper too. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just... It's, it, it just seems like they're saying, look, you know, we're going a totally different direction, guys. Thanks for last year, but we're, you know, we don't think we're going to do it again without these guys. So I think uh, they've gone. Yeah. A, they've gone a different uh, bit of a different road than Geelong have gone because Geelong were in a similar situation after a couple of years of success where they were asking players to take pay cuts. But instead of going out and recruiting the likes of Kurt Tippett and Lance Franklin, they've gone out and got needs players such as, you know, your Rivers, your Caddy, your Odens, um, those sort of players who don't take up the bulk of the salary cap and but still do that role. Whereas Sydney seemed to have just gone, well, screw it, we'll just go get the best player available. And I, I, just, I can't see this deal... Uh, to- being beneficial for the city, both in the short, medium, and long term. It feels like, it feels like 1986, doesn't it? It's a reverse money ball. <laughs> yeah. well, I was going yeah. to say, it feels like a kid playing FIFA and just saying, hmm, who's the best player I can buy regardless of my needs? And I'll just go out and get him. 
Um, yeah. And it's ridiculous. I mean, well, like I said, you know, we need a young defender. We need a decent young ruckman because now that Mumford's gone, we actually have no ruck apart from Pike. Um, so to go after Franklin was absolutely crazy. It, this deal will look terrific in the first two or three years and it'll probably have hairs on it by year six. Yeah, um, it might be short-term success-driven by... Well, you know, the, everyone. This is, but this is it. If if they win a flag with him, will you say it's worth it? It depends how much it cripples them after five, ten years. Then, yeah. Exactly, is one premiership worth, you know, ten, fifteen years within a plight like um, maybe that, St Kilda might have or Carlton makes, had for a decade? For a team that makes two hundred thousand dollars a year profit. That, that a premiership's a big deal, and 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 the thing that hurts Hawthorne financially in all of this is that there was we used to make squillions out of Buddy merchandising, squillions. And he was he's one of the most marketable players in the AFL. Yeah, that's that's one of the main arguments put up on the Swans board for why it's such a good thing to get him uh, because of the money that he'll bring in in terms of marketing. Um, so I can see that side of it, but. Unless he's basically going to be able to draw in that sort of money even after he presumably retires at about 32 or 33 and is still costing us money, um, I, I just I can't see how it's worth it. Like you're saying, I think in you know the next couple of years, if we win, I don't know, back-to-back premierships, everyone will be rolling uh, rolling in it because, because of the fact that we got him. But after that, it's just going to be down, downhill rapidly. Uh, yeah, it's a big risk-reward, isn't it? It's... If it oh, comes it, off early, it's huge dynasty kind of thing. If it doesn't, well, but, just um, but the Swans oh. are playing with house money. This is the thing; they're not betting. They're not betting with their own money. They're betting with the AFL's money. Yeah. So they can. There's no, like I said, there's no moral hazard here. This isn't a club like St Kilda or North Melbourne who will go under if they do it. They they will get bailed out if if this fails. Is this just so like no Melbourne moral. tanking and then getting the uh, fine paid for by the AFL? Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. All right. uh, just um, does anybody think the AFL's going to um, quash this? I, 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 I think they might tell them to adjust it and maybe review the yeah. terms. Maybe still make it happen, but it just seems really odd. Like yeah, that, the that, AFL that, that's what I'm. That's yeah. what I'm hoping, and I think it would, uh, funnily enough, it would actually probably make everyone madder. Would be if the AFL essentially forces the deal through, or doesn't force the deal through, but says you know the deal can go through, but we're going to adjust the terms. Um, because that could end up really screwing Hawthorne over if they then turn around to us and say, yep, you know, it's all gone through, but the terms have to be, you know, five-year deal or something like that or reduce the payout or, or something like that. Uh, whatever they get, they get Hawthorne's going to get the top compensation. Now, whether that compensation's equal to that of what Franklin is or whether they deserve uh, compensation at all is a different debate. But I don't think any um, changes the um, AFL make is going to affect the um, type of compensation they get. <laughs> Well, you've got to remember the nine years is designed to stop Hawthorne matching because Hawthorne's offer is, on a per-year basis, about the same. But, yeah. And some will say we offered five. I believe we offered him four. So we offered him basically till, the end, till, he's, till he's 31. So really, if they reduced it to five, you're putting Hawthorne back in the game. And, you, yeah, and Hawthorne exactly. might say, well, we'll match. And if you don't want to stay, well, then we're going to do a trade with Sydney. As it stands now, Hawthorne would be... Negligent to 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 match that deal. I think they just have to say, well, if you don't want to be here, go, and we'll use the buddy-shaped hole in our salary cap to to get more players in. Yeah. Quick question, Mess. Um, well, it was kind of seen as fait accompli that uh, 
Franklin were joining GWS, and I guess there was a sense of resignation from Hawthorne supporters that, you know, he, he's done his time at Hawthorne, you know, fair enough, let him go to GWS. Uh, what will his legacy be with Hawthorne at the club and supporter level now that he's elected to go to, well, one of your biggest rivals of the last couple of years, a team that's beaten you in a grand final, and just seemingly have orchestrated that just mere weeks after losing to them in a grand final? I tell you, it's a really interesting question, and, and I'm borrowing this from somebody else. This isn't, I won't say this is an original thought, but we're talking about, on Saturday after the game, we were outside and we were worshipping at the, the, the statue of Lee Matthews, and, and there was some of the great and good of the club had come past, and one of the guys who walked past was Paul Salmon. Now, Paul Salmon is an Essendon great as much as he, you could argue he was even bigger player at Essendon than he was at Hawthorne, but he's much loved for his time at Hawthorne and he was a terrific footballer. And people loved him and they would come up to him and they wanted to have his photo taken with him and they don't care that he went back to Essendon. To him, he's a Hawthorne person. I don't think that Buddy will ever be a Hawthorne person now. I think he his record with Hawthorne is exemplary. He may be one of the best 10 players that's ever played for Hawthorne Football Club, but I don't think he'll ever be a Hawthorne person anymore because of the way he went about that. And I think um, a lot of fans um, will say, well, if you're not interested in the football club, you're dead to me. Nick off. So... Uh, as to whether it was the Swans, well, it's a little bit of a sting in the tail, but I think the main issue is when the stories came out that he had gone to them in the wake of the 2012 grand final, that's, um, that's the, probably the thing that's hurt fans the most. And look, we have to be grown-ups about this ultimately. Free agency's here. It's here to stay. In rugby league, people are quite transparent about it. They'll, they've signed a contract with another club in June. And they just play, and, and, and it's taken for granted. We'll get to that point now, but, you know, we, we have to get past this illusion that, that, that the players sometimes care about the football clubs as much as we do. Some of them do, but many of them don't. All right, we've got to move on, guys. Um, we've been on this for a little bit. But um, just uh, West Coast Twitter is reporting now that uh, Adam Simpson is definitely coaching West Coast next year, so that is all confirmed. So there's an assistant coaching spot available at Hawthorne. Yeah. Michael Voss is Michael Voss, uh, is Michael Voss potentially. At Hawthorne? I don't know. I mean we've got Brett Ratton there already. Maybe they'll they'll look for a younger guy, I don't know. Or, or yeah, another coach. Mark Neal's available, isn't he? Yes, he is. Maybe a recently retired player, who knows? Who knows? Alright, we're gonna take a quick break, we're gonna come back with the grand final review with Messenger and Seppo. stuff out of the way and given uh, messenger nightmares for months to come uh we're going to talk about the grand finals so he'll cheer up a bit here um and uh so i guess we'll start with the, the winners 
and uh, to give their perspective on just how they thought the grand final went. Well, it was a slog, wasn't it? It wasn't the prettiest game to watch, but it was. Uh, I, I was at ground level. In fact, I wasn't that far from Seppo on the Saturday, and uh, it was a really hard-fought physical encounter. But as we've seen in the last few grand finals, the team that takes their chances and the team that's the cleanest with the ball tends to win the game. And Hawthorne were tremendous. They, they had very few passengers on the day. Um, Jack Gunston really has arrived as a league footballer and, and there were a number of other guys who really played their part I was thrilled for, for Isaac Smith I thought he was had a tremendous day Jordan Lewis um, is probably an unsung hero when Mitchell had a, a down day Lewis had about 26-27 touches but um, probably um, the thing that the Hawthorne supporters will, will take from that is Brian Lake how tremendous he was in that last half, and and also the the the, the Cinderella story for Hawthorne is Max Bailey finally winning a premiership. He's played 43 games over eight years. He's had three knee recos. They've had to nurse him through this season, and uh, it'll probably be his last. And and for him to actually be able to put a medal around his neck um, is is a tremendous story, and one it's a, a great testament to his perseverance. Um, Seppo, I don't know what you've got to say about it, mate. Well, from my point of view, um, I was more uh, overawed by the whole experience being in, um, obviously, a, a, you know, forty-eight thousand. I think it's the biggest crowd Freo's ever played in front of, and to for those for that group to go from that to a hundred thousand on the day, even as a fan, I was in awe as much as the players, and you could see the nerves in the the first half, and the fact that it took us, you know, a quarter and a bit of footy to get our first goal on the board. You could see the young players, like Fife missing those first two. He just doesn't miss them, and he hasn't all year. I don't know if it's a combination of the nerves, the bad swirling weather. Like, I don't know if our players really adjusted to how bad. And it's the strongest weather. I've been to a lot of the games at MCG now. Um, I can't believe how um, sort of swirling the wind was. I'm sure it affected the players kicking for a while, and Hawks were better adjusted to it. Um, I thought the Hawks had the better bottom six on the day. They always say how, you know, it's, you've really got to look at, across the board how well it's going to go. Um, and I think that Crowley did a massive job on Mitchell for to keep him to 12 disposals where I don't think Mitchell this year has got in the home and away season below 20. So to get him down to that in such a big game and Crowley himself got 15 and he had a chance to kick two goals and I think he missed both of them. Um, and, you know, we had a couple of good good other results. You know, Sandlands dominated the middle. Mundy had a massive third quarter. I know that third quarter was probably the, um, you know, mostly for neutrals, but from my point of view, it was probably the the best quarter to watch. Um, although I did try, I haven't watched a full replay yet. I have gone back and watched the third quarter alone, um, but I got up to the point where um, Ciro Rioli gave uh, Barlow a chicken wing and um, I think... Dawson was paid a free for not even having a hand in the back of Ruffy, and um, I switched it off at that point, cracked the shits, and I, I haven't watched any other part of the replay since. But um, yeah, now it's over. It's, it's well done to the Hawks because they obviously um, persevered right through when we um, challenged them. But I thought it was a silly decision that we um, subbed off Clark instead of Ballers because I thought he was having a shocker. And it's funny, as soon as we took off Clark, uh, Lake started to dominate late in the 
in the last because we didn't have any tall structures up forward and, and Hale really started to lift as well. So I thought it was very odd that we did sub Clark and it sort of helped Hawks get back into it and ultimately win the game. He hadn't really touched the ball up to them. I think he'd had about five touches. He'd had the goal assist to Pavlich, but really he'd been quite ineffectual. I guess Lyon pulled him on the basis he wasn't pulling his weight, but but really he's the guy that would have run away from Hale in that last half. And Hale had no trouble with foot speed with Sanderlands, but Clark is, you know, he's a gazelle and Hale's, a, Hale's an antelope. It's, um, it's a bit of a lumberer, but um, it, it's a, I'd like to just say something about Alistair Clarkson. He's, um, now uh, in rare, rare company amongst current AFL coaches, and, he, and he's done it in two ways now. He's, he's built a list from scratch, and then he's taken that list and reinvented it and given it a whole new personality. And, and uh, nine years at any one club is a rare feat these days, and it will become rare over time. And uh, he's uh, really, uh, exo- really reached exalted status at Hawthorne now. I think... A couple of years ago, people were ready to push him out the door, but my goodness, he's he's reinvented this side and he's managed to marginalise, not perhaps intentionally, but marginalise one of the the uh, most flamboyant forwards of the uh, of the last fifteen years as well in reinventing that team. All right. Funny that you say that about the nine years being a long time at one club, considering that Buddy has got nine years at Sydney. When you consider that's how long Clarko's been at Hawthorne and Franklin's supposed to play for that long. Sorry to take it back there, but it's just no, 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 and for any further baffling. Too. But but Clarkson's challenge is not about being physically fit or, or his skill base. It's about delivering a message and, and being able to maintain the authority over a playing list. And and he's had a number of different playing styles. He hasn't always been the first guy to adapt. In fact you could say after the grand final he was after 2000, the 2008 flag, he, he probably got left behind by a few coaches, but he's been willing to adapt and he's changed the way the team's played a number of times and, and, and changed his philosophy. And, and that, that's rare these days. And I think, um, you know, Lee Matthews has always said, you know, you get about eight or nine years and then really they're, they're ready for a set of a new voice. But there seems to be talk that Clarkson will be signing on for. Uh, a few years yet, so you're definitely right there, Messenger. When you just look at um and Wusher and how he's gone with the Eagles, if you don't reinvent yourself and you tend to lose a playing group and you, well, you sound boring doing the presses all the time. So, credit to Clarko for really being up and about for that type of long, and you know he's going to go probably a couple more years, hopefully yeah. with that same group. I'd be int- I'd be surprised if they signed him straight away quickly. I mean, he's got he's contracted to 2014, and, and maybe they wait. I mean, I think probably given he's got that that premiership again, he'll he'll get the deal early. But he only had eight or nine guys that played in both of the flags, uh, and he's lost two of those already for the next season with Guerra leaving and, and obviously Franklin going as well. So he's he's taken he's really done a sort of a cross generational thing there. It's quite quite impressive and, and he's done it with recycling the second time around as well all those guys we spend all that time drafting in and they've all got premiership medals now and they are all key players too all right so how did the neutral guys uh boys and girls fifey and uh odn 
and prosecutor, how did you see the grand final? Did you watch it? Did you not watch it? I certainly watched it. Um, I just wanted, uh, you mentioned, Messenger mes- mentioned uh, Jordan Lewis um, and the amount of possessions he got. He, he had um, he had eight clearances. Now, uh, Hawthorne was smashed in the ruck in the taps, um, but they won the clearances and it's, in, it's not no small measure to players like Lewis who were, you know, reading reading the taps better and were just into everything. So that was probably the key. And he, he, a lot of those clearances came in that second half and Hawthorne really had a fight on their hands. Um, so that was a great effort, and look, and I don't, I'm not one to toot my own, toot my own horn. I did tip Hawthorne by 16 points, I believe. I'd have to go back and check the tape, so I was a point off. Um, I mentioned that Frio had, had not scored a goal in their last three games against Hawthorne. Well, now it's four. Um, that that start, that getting a good start was important, and they certainly were under a lot of pressure and feeling that grand final pressure. Uh, I, I made mention of Lake. Um, and I made mention of Fremantle not being able to stem Hawthorne's uncontested play. Yes, they did to an extent, and it was a scrappy game, and you know it was a high-tackling game, and Hawthorne probably matched, if not beat them, at their own game in that regard. But still, like last time they played, Birchall got off the chain. He had 27 possessions, 26 possessions, 19 were uncontested, 11 marks. So he was providing that run and filling the gaps and, let, and giving them the out. Um, and not letting Fremantle choke them up too much. So um, I, I'm as surprised as anybody, but pretty much everything that I thought might be the reason that Hawthorne won um, happened. So, um, you know, I was pretty, uh, it was, that was pretty uh, interesting for me. Um, just give me a second, just pulling up the stats. But just from my perspective, there's a few things that I found interesting. Uh, one of them was the pre-game hype around having to shut, uh, shut down Sam Mitchell in order to win. Now, Sam Mitchell only ended up getting 12 possessions. Um, Franklin only got the um, one goal. Uh, Rioli's influence was pretty much negligible, really. Um, Roughhead, yeah, he did all right. But having said that, and Hodge wasn't, particularly fantastic so it was one of those things where Fremantle did everything they needed to do to win really because I mean they had the same amount of scoring shots and that's not even including about their five or six shots that were around the full or fell short but Hawthorne just found a way to win we found a way to lose it as well with our kicking yeah, Can't take it's... away from the fact that we, we obviously, like you said, you we had the stats, we did the matchups, did most things right, but there was just a bit of nerves and, and goal kicking that really yeah, cost us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Fremantle did everything that the majority of people thought they had to do to win the game, except they just weren't able to capitalise it. I mean, on the Fremantle side too, um, you know, Fife, um, Fife and Mundy had you know, standout games, apart from obviously the sh- kicking for goal. Uh, Pavlidge was... Um, Carey-esque uh, for a stage during the third quarter. Uh, and Sanderlands, you know, was immense in his influence in the ruck, but ultimately poor kicking's poor football. But I think Fremantle has shown, though, that they're really not far away from it. And they're going to have a few runs in the next coming years, so you'd expect that they will win one or two, maybe. But I think um, the Dockers... And the question is... Do they need another marking forward? I guess that's what came to me because Maine, Maine had a stinker. Um, yeah. 
Ballantyne was dreadful. Um, I mean, Pavlic was terrible in the uh, first half as well. Yeah, but having said that, I mean, Mzungu was very good. I thought he had a terrific game. Uh, Mundy, Walters. Walters was good. Mundy was superb, absolutely superb. And um, But they just seemed to need that other marking option and, and perhaps Kepler Bradley's days are done at Fremantle. But, you know, do they have somebody in the wings who's a, who's a marking forward? Well, I think that they've, been, uh, they've identified that... Um for the last few years anyway, in their pursuit of, what was it, who was it being? Franklin, Cloak, Rewalt, uh, Clark. So I think I think they understand that that's a problem area as well. I mean, what, Pavlidge is 31, 32. Uh, and if they can't get anyone, it's going to be a, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a matter of um, how long can they keep Pavlidge going as an effective forward uh, whilst they're in this window of what's likely to be uh, a substantial run at the flag. So I think I think they realise the problem. They're trying to address it. However, they haven't been they haven't been able to do that yet. So whether they take a a, a Gumbleton and try to make something of him, or they continue this attempt to lure you know your triple A talent, um, remains to be seen. Seppo, one of the things that um, has been talked about on the board in the wake of the grand final was was. Ross Lyons' coaching record, and I think my first contribution might have been after my um, about 7.30 from the cricketer's arms, but um, he's four grand finals, 34 goals. Is is the defensive style not up to it against the very best teams? It obviously helps us contribute, because I think if you look at those, I think grand finals, because of the contested footy, I know you say 34 goals, but then you look at what the teams have actually won, and there are only a couple in front, I think, um, over the same period or basically against it. So it, it definitely coaches to be able to win them, but it's a, a bit, obviously, he, he does as much as he can to um, you know, put a coaching style in place to get us there. Um, and I reckon some of it's up to the players to be able to, to finish. You know, yeah, St Kilda was, you know, bounce of the ball away from that. And, and for us, you know, he, he got us there. He did everything he could for the players, but I think there's a bit of nerves and they're better for the experience. So... I don't think there's anything against. You know, someone brought it up on our board about you know Rosslyn and close games and and how he recognises there's always going to be this bridesmaid. But I think tell you what, everyone thought that we had the um the ability to win the game, and it's it, I think it's only a matter of time before he actually gets one, and, and it's going to be I think with this playing group. And mm. I think we, we it's almost that saying you know the old adage of you need to lose one to win one and. Um, you could definitely see that we we only had you know two guys that have actually played in a, a grand final before, um, and, and other things that's even come out of the game. It's you know line criticised a couple of players you know not sticking to structures and um, you know main sort of got tracked towards the ball sort of got themselves lost in it where they haven't all season. So um, and actually found out as well Walters was actually playing the last five weeks with a, a PCL injury, so he's been heavily managed through. So we you know if we if we if we play um you know um this game again you know at any other time of the year or home and away season you know the result can go our way but um yeah it's I, I'm definitely a fan of uh, Ross Lyon and what he's been done to be able to get us there but I think it was a players that let him down not his coaching style just I, I on think, that I think it, I think they were just unlucky that they came across probably the most adaptable side in the competition Hawthorne Hawthorne uh, they're, they're all skilled they can win in a shootout. Uh, but they're not scared to roll their sleeves up and get down in the trenches and and punch it out. Um, you know, they're just they're they're, they're that they're that battle hardened 
that they can they can you know, adapt to whatever game plan they're playing against. And, and you know, credit to Hawthorne, but if it was any other team, um, Frio would probably you know going to win their first premiership. I'd say. Certainly, after last year, they're a lot more battle hardened. Like they've kind of got that understanding of you know that they have to be that little bit tough a little bit more committed after seeing the way the Swans beat them but the mm. thing that I thought was most interesting about that going back to why Fremantle don't score is the comparison between Maine and Gunston Gunston plays the third tall role behind or he did this year won't next year but behind two very good key forwards whereas Maine was forced to play number two mm. and he gets shut down more easy if he's freed up to play number three it becomes a bit different like small forward um, grand finals were a small forwards graveyard and Fremantle had quite a few of those who apart from Walters most of them didn't play good games And whereas for Hawthorne Cyril was handy, Popolo wasn't great but they you know they still found other avenues to goal because Interesting what you're saying with that with our, our forwards, I can actually see why we've grabbed Sylvia now is to actually push five forward and actually become that he plays really well overhead and can rotate through the midfields. And with this rotation cap coming in, and obviously next next year's grand final, I don't know if you know, this 120 cap rotation will, will have an effect. We've really got to have some athletic guys being able to rotate through. So maybe it's going to be Fife being able to drift forward and work well overhead, which we which he does. And that's why we're actually bulking up our midfield because we possibly could have Morabito back, which is another midfield slash taller forward option. But... um be interesting to see what we do and that will change the way we act as an uh, uh, attacking side next year. Uh, Messenger... Do you think the 120... Sorry, go on. No, you go on. You can continue on. No, you, you're going to ask No, mine's going, on yeah. a different, mine's going in a different direction. You go on. I think that the, the interchange cap's probably going to kill that the role of the second Ruckman. I think you're going to end up with more... I think this is why Hale was recruited by Hawthorne a while ago, is that that guy who can do a bit of both. And and uh, I wonder how long Aaron Sanderlands has once the cap comes in, because uh, he doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to be able to run out 22 games a year and, and with minimal rotations. Oh, I see him almost being used at what Odden's was as a September specialist and give him as much time off during the year and then bring him bring him back and get him into form, you know, July, August, leading yeah. through, because he's not going to be able to the body to do 22 games next year, and we, hopefully we get Griffin back, because Griffin and Clark is going to be a very athletic combination. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting how the whole landscape changes with Ruckman over the next year. Could be yeah. funny with that, with Griffin and Clark being more athletic, whether they do put you in the kind of positions where you end up with a Sanderland selection headache, mm. that because he's kind of being phased out. Because he would, do you reckon he's got more than one year after... Oh. I think that last next year is going to be his last. Oh, I yeah. can't see him going on. Pavlich probably and McFarlane probably have another two, but this next year, I think, especially as we've um, recruited Moller as well, um, is another very good upcoming Ruckman that's going to be an absolute gun. We've still got Hanneth in the mix. So we've got five capable Ruckman. So I really think next year is probably Sandland's last. So I hope we can um, do him proud and obviously keep him fit, ready for the finals. Mm. Uh, messenger... After the uh, heartbreak of last year, how would you, in contrasting the two recent grand final wins, does it feel any different or is just the joy of winning one just over the overriding factor as opposed to um, it being sort of magnified by the heartbreak of the year before? 
I, I feel, first of all, I feel privileged to have been at two. I mean, it's to have been able to go to two in such a short space of time is 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 a wonderful experience. I think 2008 was a surprise. We were rank outsiders in 2008, and, and rightfully so that year. This one was relief, though. I mean, if, a couple of times we sort of were talking amongst ourselves in the evening, and and we said, "Could you imagine how we'd feel if we'd lost and, and gone?" And and blown two, blown two end to end. It would have been. It was the one they had to win. They just had to win it. I mean, and if you can imagine, picture losing that second one, and then having Buddy walk out at the end of it. I mean, it'd be arsenic and razor blades all around. It would be dreadful. So, it's. I think it was almost more relief. This one, it was relief. I think we were the best team for the season. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, relief. I think was the first was the first feeling. We did you did you a favour there, Messenger? You know, Freo really thought you deserved it, and um, best team all year. Give you the yeah. give you the chance. I, I certainly at the end when you're talking about feelings at the game, I, it was amazing. I actually thought losing it, considering how close we came in that third. I I thought I'd be um, really upset at the end of the game, but it was almost just a little ho- hollow feeling. And walking out of the ground, I was just like, well, no, we uh, it's not our time. I was very accepting of it. I was. Oh. Um, yeah, and, quite and, and the getting... thing that's the thing that struck me about afterwards was the number of Fremantle people who stayed. I can tell you that I, I did the fire drill in 2012, and when they presented their cup, I was at Jollymont Station. I wasn't bloody hanging around, and the I very very few Docker supporters left, and which is a credit I think to the whole supporter group and and the way everybody sort of behaved and, and, and went for their team and it, it added to the atmosphere at the end I thought it was it was fantastic Alright, anyone got anything else to add? No? Uh, no Well, well, well I was going to have a bit of a season review but uh, I'm going to let that go this week um, Drugs are bad, okay? <laughs> Oh, look, I was going to do a season review, but we've got over an hour of material already, so and and that'll that'll do us for this week. Um, we might come back next week for a season review and keep going on the trade stuff. There's bound to be something. Oh, there's been a quick question on that trade shit. Isn't the period meant to start on Friday, or at least the free tomorrow agency the, period? Tomorrow the free agency opens, and then on Monday the trade period opens, and then the free agency period yeah. goes two weeks, where the trade week goes for three. So yeah, because it's, it's been ridiculous. Because all these all these fucking deals have come through already. Yeah, it's odd like that. They've jumped the gun. They've all jumped the gun. Well, the papers haven't been submitted. The papers are submitted first thing in the morning, and yeah. so that's when the period starts where teams can match or not match. And and you would imagine that I, I'd be surprised to see if any clubs match offers, and whether Collingwood decide they wanted to match Daisy Thomas. I'd be staggered if they did. I can guarantee you to a moral certainty that Hawthorne won't match Franklin's offer. Um, I heard um, the Melbourne, I don't know if he's a um, list manager or something like that on SEN on the way home, saying they um, pretty much won't match what um, Sylvia wants for Freo, so he's basically walking isn't out. Isn't he unrestricted? He's unrestricted. Oh, anyway. yeah, sorry, he's unrestricted, yeah. So he's just yeah. basically walking out. So I can imagine that's going to be the first paperwork lodged tomorrow morning. But yeah, in cause... any case, the, um, the Lance Franklin deal is sort of, sort of like... Um, with an entertainment release in Australia where someone breaks a street date, 
And then after that, everyone's like, oh, screw it. I'll just announce what I've got going. Because, like, last year and all that sort of stuff, you know, all the clubs were uh, really quiet until paperwork was lodged. And it's like, oh, shit. Whereas this now, it's just like, uh, Eddie Betts has told us he's going to apply for free agency in Adelaide and shit like that. Um, Dale Thomas, uh, you know, uh, the Buddy stuff and Sylvia. It's just, it's an avalanche, really, and it hasn't even begun. Oh, yeah, because we've got the week thing. in between because we've got this week. I think last week it went straight into the um, free agency period the Monday after the grand final. So I think this week off, people have actually been openly talking about it before deals have yeah. actually been lodged. It's really taken away, though, from the um, the grand final win for Hawthorne, uh, which is probably a good thing. But um, <laughs> but I woke up, I honestly, because I had a nap before um, coming onto this because... Fuck work and night will change me over for some fucking reason. But in any case, I woke up and I was thinking, oh, shit, haven't we already done a season review? Because it, it felt like it was two weeks ago, the grand final. And I had a look and I'm like, oh, shit, it was only just last Saturday. It's just the the win by Hawthorne and the grand final in general has just totally been hijacked by this fallout from the Franklin decision. Mm. Well, I'm actually glad Freo didn't win this year because it's going to be uh, remembered as the... Um the Buddy and the Essendon saga wins, so hopefully we get the chance next year and there's no other major incidents during the year. <laughs> but not, not, not by me, mate. It'll still be remembered as, as, a, as a premiership year. And what did he say, miss? It'll, it'll be a... No, no, with, no, with, a with an asterisk. Look kindly on this one. Uh, it will be the memories, barrel racing mate. year. Year of the barrel racing. <laughs> I've got my memories, mate. I've got my memories. The year a small country of... a small indigenous game overrode 300 million barrel... Racing support. <laughs> Seriously, how did she think that was going to fly when she said that? <laughs> 350 million people go to a stupid parade or whatever it was. Um, Be like me going, yes, and 500 million people went to the freaking zoo or something. No. I'm glad that they actually came to their senses and awarded it to Renee. Otherwise, oh shit, would have broken loose. So they actually have to intervene and, and, and say the other people have been cheating. Is that what happened? Well, they, were... uh, they didn't come out and say it, but they said they went through the legal checks and all that sort of stuff. And, um, well, obviously, the, um, they, the other girl won the popular vote um, by, obviously, fraudulent means. And, obviously, Renee's been awarded the win. So, effect, you know, effectively, yeah. Yeah. The concerning thing reading that was not that the barrel rider wouldn't win, but the fact that they might get both disqualified just on the... She was throwing enough mud at it that it might... They might just get rid of them both because of the hassle. But Yeah, but I mean, in any sense, though, but I think they realised, if they took one look at the site, though, that they realised she had you know, a genuine support base. And especially once, you know, you had the AFL players retweeting and shit like that. So... I think there was enough, and I think there's enough people there that they realised that they, they were going to have to be accountable to someone as well. Yeah, whether that be act, whether that be street justice or whatever it is, but the right decision was reached. I mean, when you consider the number of them. when you consider the number of idiots on our forums that we're going to go haywire. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can't wait till um that actually comes out next year. Is it June or July or mid mid year that they're coming August. up this August, August? Is it? Yeah. I reckon we um, create a massive event. I don't know where it's being played, but oh, I'd definitely go and I'm trying to get a heap of people along. 300 million, I reckon, we can get. Let <laughs> <laughs> me just say it's 300 million. 300 million? Never stopped anyone. Anyway. No worries. Every man in his kangaroo. <laughs> Bring your barrels. We're going to sign off for this week. We will be back next week uh, to do our season review and continue on with the trade week. Um, 
So good night to ODN. Good night, everybody. ODN will, of course, be off doing his Big Brother podcast now where all sorts of boring and rubbish comments will be made <laughs> about the most boring show in television. The I'm pros- just a better host than you, that's all. The Prosecutor. Uh, thanks for coming in again, The Prosecutor. Always a pleasure. And uh, Messenger, congratulations on your grand final win. Uh, commiserations on your buddy loss. And thanks for coming in again. Premiers, that's all I care about. Seppo, congrats on making the grand final, mate. But uh, sorry about your loss. Well, it's a privilege to be on here, but um, we'll be back next year. And grats on getting Colin Sylvia. Thanks. <laughs> and Xavier <laughs> Ellis. And probably Xavier Ellis. <laughs> and uh, Fifey, uh, I'm a little bit disappointed, mate. I expected uh, a, a member of the Flogcast to be funnier than uh, you were. <laughs> I was a tad nervous when we started, I've got to be honest. How yeah. can you be nervous? You've been doing the Flogcast for nearly as long as we've been doing the podcast for here. You, I know. Our it's just... reputation precedes us. And like, you like, guys are like, funny it, 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 and witty and like all that. And I was like, oh, we'll get some fun and wit on because God knows I've got to deal with these morons all the time. And... All my prepared notes, my little stuff <laughs> on the season <laughs> review. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Did, you, did you say prepared notes? That, I said prepared notes. So, yeah. Who said he wasn't you, funny? You've never, you've, you've never listened to this podcast, have you, Fifey? Um, All right. Not for a few weeks, no. See you, Odeon. <laughs> no, congratulations, Messenger. Uh, uh, commiserations, Fifey and Seppo. See you in court, Pross. In this dirty old part of the city Where the sun refused to shine People tell me there ain't no use in trying Now my girl, you're so young and pretty And one thing I know is before your time is due, I know. Watch my daddy in bed and tired. Watch his hand been turning crazy. He's been working and slaving his life away. Oh, yes, I know. He's been working so hard.